plug those headphones in. It's time for Ireland's only interactive podcast, the multi-award-winning Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. You're very welcome to this latest Opinions Matter podcast with Adrian and Jeremy recorded at our studio at the White Sands Hotel in Port Marnock in North County, Dublin. Now, before we let you know what we want to talk about on this special edition of Opinions Matter, I want to give a shout out to a couple of show sponsors. Firstly, Recruit.ie. Now, Recruit.ie is a website that's been around for a long time, but they've just launched a brand new app, which is available at the app store that you use. Um, It makes finding your dream job that little bit easier. You can browse hundreds of jobs from Ireland's leading employers and apply in one tap. You'll also get access to amazing virtual recruitment fairs, free careers advice and much more. You can download the new Recruit.ie app and uh, wherever you get your apps and find your new dream job today. We also want to give a a shout out to another of our show sponsors. Yes, the Snailbox Restaurant located on the N2 between Ashburn and Slane at Kilmoon Cross is open seven days a week and I can tell you this as someone who has been there and experienced their food and service they serve delicious food a friendly service and fun for the whole family but this isn't just a restaurant where you get great food and great service you also get a great experience because they have amazing memorabilia throughout the restaurant including a football signed by the late Brazilian legend Pele they have have a hat collection that just has to be seen to be believed. The whole ceiling in the restaurant is covered with caps that they've collected from all around the world. This restaurant has everything. And you know what? The most important thing is, I know times are tough for a lot of people, the most important thing as well is it's good quality food at a very reasonable price. It's called a snail box. You get it on the N2 between Ashburn and Slane. Head down there. I'm sure you'll probably see myself and Adrian there having a meal because we live in the place. But we don't actually live in the no, place. No, well, we, we, don't, mind. we don't sleep there. No, okay. mind. Do you go home after you have the meal? You put, did you put a pillow on the, the table for you? <laughs> anyway, the snail box and recruit.ie. Yeah. Thank you to both of them for supporting the Opinions Matter podcast. Now, Jeremy, you've already heard uh, the interview that we are about to make part of our podcast today uh, because we recorded it earlier on. I just want to warn you, okay. Mm. This is it's a difficult one. Okay. First of all, we are not forcing anybody to listen to this uh, podcast, okay? Um, normally we do force you to listen to it, but we can understand that this might be triggering for a lot of you, so I'm giving you a trigger warning now uh, about the contents of this podcast. However, it's an important, important story. Because this particular man uh, that we're about to speak to, um, he's never been convicted of any crime. He's never committed any crime. In fact, well, if we're to believe what he's, he's going to say, he's never mm-hmm. committed any crime. However, the feelings he has are something that we all find abhorrent. As a father of three children, um, I couldn't even bring myself to speak to him, uh, to be honest with you. I found it very... I just had to sit beside Adrian... And let him speak because I just, I I couldn't. However, I do understand the reasons why we do need to interview him because we need, well, he wants to get his point across. And basically, he's a paedophile who's never acted on his um, sexual attraction to children. So he believes that he has, well, no, he has these urges that he's sexually attracted to children, yet he knows that it's a disgusting, disgusting thing and he will not act upon them. 
So we decided that we wanted to get inside the head of someone who is guilty of having thoughts that most people uh, find impossible to even come to terms with. Um, if we don't try and understand what makes these people tick, we'll never get answers and the problem will never go away. This man's name is Todd Nickerson. Todd is a self-confessed paedophile. He calls himself a paedophile with a conscience on his blog, uh, which is read all around the world. His website blog is called Not a Monster, and he regularly posts his uh, opinions. Um, he says he has never and will never molest a child. He will never act out on his urges. He also believes that what he has is an illness for which there is no cure. As I said, the man's name is Todd Nickerson, and uh, he joins me on the line. And uh, Todd, you say that you were conditioned from an early age to be a paedophile. Can you explain that to me? Well, it just seems like a lot of the events in my life basically pointed me in that direction. Um, you know, uh, the main one, of course, being that I was sexually abused at age seven. Uh, it was a, in my case, it was a one-time event and others, you know, it, it happens more, more frequently, but in my case, it was a one-time event and, uh, it was not particularly traumatic at the time. It amounted to touching, but, um, I talked in my, uh, my original article, um, my first salon article that I, I remember my father, I uh, sitting in a car with my dad and, uh, our news piece came on the radio and uh, talking about it. It was a local case of a, a child, a girl, I believe, um, being sexually assaulted. And I was about 10 at the time. And I remember my dad saying something to the effect of, uh, well, they ought to take heavy weights and, you know, smash the guy's testicles basically is what it amounted to. And I was kind of horrified by that. I, uh, I think, you know... Well, you were horrified that your father's reaction to hearing of a case like that was one of violence, one of wanting to kill the person? Yeah, it, just the fact that, you know, this, he had this violent reaction. And I can remember my own case, and I, you know, I did, I, you know, it, the, the particular case, I don't really remember any of the details. I was 10 at the time, you know, so, uh, it, you know, I don't think it was... Uh, they would have given de details over the radio anyway, but... You know, I, I, in my 10-year-old brain, you know, thought of it in, in my cases, uh, compared it to the, to what happened to me, and it was like, mm, you know, it wasn't that bad. Why does he want to really hurt this person? Okay, so, uh, but, uh, but you describe your one-time event as being uh, mild, but when, um, <laughs> when your father reacted in this way to this incident that he heard about um, from somebody else, his reaction was one of anger. His reaction was, I want to kill that person. Um, and what, your reaction was uh, to, to hear of a child being abused is not that big a deal. Well, you know, like I said, it, I, had, I compared it in my mind to, to what happened to me, which was nothing more than touching. And, you know, as, you know, as a seven-year-old, when, when that happened to me, it wasn't particularly traumatic to me. It was, you know, it was bizarre. I, I think I remember thinking, well, that's kind of odd, you know. But uh, the person who uh, molested me was a uh, acquaintance of my aunt and uncle, and I didn't really know him that well, but I liked the guy. Um, I liked the intimacy that we had. I didn't like the, I don't know, if, you know, I, I can't say that I liked the abuse, but I liked the intimacy that we had. So, you know, that was that was the... Uh, uh, 
the direction that I was coming at it from, you know, thinking of it as, well, you know, that's from what I remember, it was <laughs> that bad a, a thing. So why is, you know, why do people want to kill these people for that? You know, and I think at that point in my life, I probably identified more with my abuser than I did with the victim. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, I let, let, I, let me find out a little bit more about, uh, about <laughs> you yourself, Todd. One of the things that you believe may have affected your, your outlook in life, if you like, is that you were born without uh, a right hand. Has, has your, uh, did your deformity affect your childhood? Oh, yeah. And that, you know, again, that's another thing that I think kind of shaped who I was. And, um, yeah, I was born without my uh, my right hand. Uh, as a child, I was a very introverted. Uh, I didn't fit in with a lot of the kids my age. I wasn't particularly social. I was one of those boys who spent a lot of time in his room reading or playing by myself. So you know, I was already kind of a loner, even as a child. Okay, so that led part of your to part of your conditioning, if you like. So, at what yeah. stage during your life? I'm I'm hearing about a guy who uh, had a one-time event of uh, sexual abuse, which you describe mm-hmm. as being not that bad. I hear of a young child that was a bit of a uh, an outcast, maybe of his own doing, uh, because you have uh, you, you'd no right hand. At what point, though, as you uh, matured, as you um, developed into uh, adolescence and adulthood, at what point did you realize that you had pedophilic tendencies? Yeah, it was a gradual thing. It wasn't one of those things where, you know, I, w- I woke up one, one day and go, Eureka, I'm a pedophile. You know, it, it, was, one of, <laughs> it was one of those things where, uh, you know, it kind of snuck up on me and... Uh, I think my so there, first, there was no particular event that led you to that belief that you're, as you said, a pedophile. Actually, there was one event when I was 13, um, and I do talk about it in my in my first Salon article. But basically, you know, it was a gradual thing. Like I can remember being 11, 12 years old, and you know, beginning to kind of notice the younger kids in my school. I can remember uh, being in a, in, I think I was in sixth grade at the time, standing around with some other boys, and they're talking about the the developed girl in the class, and I'm thinking, well, you know, why are they interested in her? So I didn't say anything. The girl I was interested in was the short, flat-chested girl in our class. And then uh, in seventh grade, I did have kind of a eureka moment. Uh, I was 13. I was at my uh, grandparents' house at the time, um, sitting in the living room drawing, and uh, a neighbor of my grandpa came over to visit, and he brought his seven-year-old daughter with him. And I heard them come in. I hadn't seen them because the you know the door wasn't visible from where I was sitting. But I could hear them come in, and I heard them talking. And then uh, I looked up, and the little girl was standing in the doorway looking down at me, and I just remember thinking, wow, you know, she's beautiful. And at this age, you were what age? I was 13. You were 13, okay. Yeah. All right, so still uh, just a young adolescent. Yeah. But those thoughts of attraction towards uh, a younger child have stayed with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, I think probably about the age of 15, uh, you know, I started to 
you know, because you, you go through those phases where you go, okay, it's just a, it's just a phase. I'll grow out of this. But um, at some point you kind of have to accept it, you know? And I think for me, it was probably, you know, I was probably about 16 and I finally said, okay. Uh, so you finally got to the stage that you could say to yourself, that's me. I'm a paedophile. I'm attracted to children in a similar way that uh, somebody of 16 might say, that's me. I'm gay. I'm attracted to people of my own sex. Correct. And is that what and you see it as? Do you see it as black and white as that? Uh, a gay person is attracted to somebody of their own sex. A heterosexual person is attracted to somebody of the opposite sex. And you, as a paedophile, are attracted to children. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit more complex than that. I mean, I would, I agree with society uh, to, to the point where, you know, they would say it was an illness. I do think it's an illness. I think it's also a sexual orientation. It's both, you know, in our cases. Okay, so you you actually describe your sexuality as as a curse. Uh, it, it might seem like a very obvious question, but in what way is your sexuality a curse? In a lot of ways. Um, you know, obviously it makes us a social pariah. Um, you know, uh, we're best if, you know, if we're determined not to offend, and I am determined not to offend, uh, we are destined to be lonely. We, you know, we often spend our lives alone. Um, Do you understand the absolute abhorrence for uh, people with a sexual tendency or a, an illness or whatever word you want to put on it? Do you understand people's absolute abhorrence, particularly people listening to us right now who have children and are, are even shocked that I'm having a conversation with somebody like you? Well, um I understand, uh, you know, the abhorrence to uh, to sexual abuse. I have a. It's hard. For, it's harder for me to to comprehend, you know, being uh, appalled at, you know, uh, uh, thoughts or feelings. You know, I I guess because, you know, I've always had the feeling, so it's kind of hard for me to to look, you know, to look at it from, you know, another perspective. But. Um, I'm starting to. I think, you know, in a lot of ways, and I, I think in my last uh, post on my blog, I, I talked about this. Um, I'm starting to understand that I think people are, are social, socially conditioned from a young age to despise pedophiles, whether they, you know, they've offended or not. I think that's probably part of their, their conditioning. So. Um, but again, but again, my question is, do you understand that conditioning? Do you understand why the vast majority of people, and I, I, I'm going to explore with you in a couple of minutes about how you haven't acted upon your sexual tendencies, but do you understand how the vast majority of people just find it disgusting? just contemptible. Some people would class uh, paedophilic offences as being worse than actual murder. Now, do you under understand that? And I, 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 like I said, I will explore the fact that you've never acted out on your tendencies, but do you understand right. that anger, that that sort of, oh, that that creates in people? Yeah, I understand the, the anger at actual offences, and I share that with people. You know, when you're talking about actual sexual abuse, um, you know, I, I do think people have a hard time separating the, the concept of, you know, this is a thought, these are just thoughts versus, you know, somebody who actually 
uh, offends. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, people mix up the concepts of um, of child molester and pedophile. They, I think they, you know, they tend to uh, inflate those terms. And mm. one of the reasons is I think they, they have a hard time separating the the concept from the actual offense. Okay, now do me a favor, bear with me for one second because I have to take a very quick commercial break. Uh, okay. But after after the break, I want to explore that a little bit more with you about the fact that you haven't actually offended uh, and try and find out whether or not people see there being a difference. Jeremy's here with uh, some of the reaction that's coming in. Uh, Brian says, how is this man even walking the streets? It's disgusting that he hasn't been arrested yet. Well, here's the thing, Brian, he hasn't actually broken any laws yet. We're going to get into this in a couple of minutes, but he hasn't, as far as I'm aware, broken any... Not that I'm aware. Broken any... Admitting you're a paedophile, I don't think, is is against the law. Is it? What part of the states are you in, uh, Todd? Uh, I live in Tennessee, the west part of the of the states. So okay, and, and is it an offence in Tennessee to admit the sort of thing that you're admitting? I imagine in a country with um, free speech and whatever, it probably isn't, is it? No, clearly not. I would have been arrested by now. Okay, so it's not. It's okay, uh, Kaylee. Kaylee says this man makes me sick. He's going on like he's a victim. He's not a victim. He had a hard childhood. So what? We've all had hard childhoods. Well, well, mind you, Todd, uh, you, you didn't have that overly hard of a childhood, did you? Uh, well, I mean that's all subjective. I don't know. Well, in your opinion, in your opinion, as you look back at your childhood, was it a difficult childhood? I understand what you were saying about um, not having your right hand and how you you for a long time wore prosthesis and everything, thinking you could fit in. Uh, you had that one-time event of sexual abuse, but do you feel that uh, you had a bad childhood? Uh, no, not particularly. Not I particularly, mean, no. So there you go. Yeah. That's the answer to that question. Yeah, Angela says, this man is obnoxious and disgusting, but I have to say I feel sorry for him. That is a sad and lonely existence he is living. Would you describe your life, Todd, as, as a sad and lonely existence? Uh, yeah, pretty pretty much. In, in other words, it's not something you'd wish on anybody. Nobody wants to be a paedophile. You don't want to have these thoughts, do you? Absolutely. Yeah, I would not wish this on anybody. The most interesting part of this conversation, Todd, uh, which I think our listeners will be interested in, is that you claim to have never acted out on your paedophilic urges. That's correct. So how do you know that you're a paedophile? Well... <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, the all of my uh, sexual desires are are for small children. I don't really have any uh, any desire towards adults. Now, one of the things that you claim is that you don't look at any child pornography, um, which is one of the most distasteful things um, on on the internet, on uh, the darknet or whatever it's called. Um, the fact that so many people share child pornography around the world, the, mm-hmm. uh, the ultimate result of which is children being abused in the first place. But you claim that you don't look at child pornography. That's correct. Are we supposed to believe that? Well, you can believe it or not. It doesn't matter to me, but um, I'm, you know, I've been out as a uh, as a non-offending pedophile for over ten years now. Uh, you know, if I had committed any offenses, I'm sure I'm on, you know, my government's radar. I, you know, I've been out. Like I said, I've been out for over ten years. If I had broken any laws, they would have got me by now. Well, what do you think then of people who do look at child pornography? Well, I think they shouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, it, it, for some people, it's an addiction. Uh, for for uh, some pedophiles, they turn to that, you know, in order to uh, to keep themselves from offending. But in the long run, 
you know, it amounts to the same thing. Uh, I think they need to get help. And we have, uh, at Virtuous Pedophiles, we have um, organizations that do help with stuff like that. So so if, this is the bit that, I, that confuses me a little bit, okay? If you have never acted out on your paedophilic tendencies, if you have never looked at child pornography, how do you know you're a paedophile? Well, I, I look at a child and, I, you know, I realize that they're attractive to me. It's just how do you how do you realize you're you're straight? You know, you look at somebody who's in your attraction base and go, wow, they're attractive. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, okay, well, one of my questions to you then has to be: You don't look at child porn. You have never acted out on your tendencies. Um, right. But are children safe around you? Because that is the ultimate fear that parents have about yeah. living near or around or close to uh, a paedophile, that their children aren't safe, that their children could be uh, the victims of a sexual assault by a paedophile. Are children safe near you? Safe near me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, now there are pedophiles who do abuse, obviously, uh, and um, but I'm I'm not one of those, you know. Okay, so you can walk past, for example, a child's playground and not want to um, abuse or have sexual contact with a child. Yeah, and, and, you know, usually when I'm out in public and I see kids, it's not the first. I I don't sit there and go, ooh, I want to have sex with that person. Uh, You know, it's just... I just know, but again, this is, this is the bit that I don't really get. If I see a really, yeah. I'm a straight man. If I see a really yeah. attractive, sexy lady in a lovely bikini with a fabulous body, uh, I look at her and go, oh, but you don't. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it doesn't. It, <laughs> there's a difference between, I think, recognizing, uh, you know, that somebody is sexually attractive versus sitting there and having... Um, you know, thoughts about, you know, I would like to do this or do that to somebody. I think that's, at that point, you know, you're talking about a, um, you know, following a, a thought pattern or something but you know for me it's just but you, you, you use the expression sexually attractive and this is uh, another thing I don't understand and I think there's a lot yeah. not to understand um, you talk about a child being sexually attractive how can a child possibly be sexually attractive when a child isn't sexually advanced or developed at all but the mere fact that they are a child means they're not sexually uh, developed well you know that's I don't know I mean uh, I don't know really how to explain uh, you know, a sexual attraction to somebody. It's, it, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. <laughs> I can't, I really don't know, you know, I don't know the science behind it. If I did, I, I'd be able to say more, but. Okay, now talking of science uh, and medical help, have you gone for counseling to deal with uh, your paedophilic tendencies? Have you uh, received treatment uh, to try and help you cope with it? How do you deal with it? Um, I have I have been to counselors, uh, you know, in one case specifically for my uh, pedophilia, in another case, uh, you know, for depression uh, connected to it. So, uh, yeah, I have seen counselors, and in in both cases, they they basically said, well, you know, uh, the, the the science is pretty much in. This is. Uh, this is a sexuality. We're not going to be able to change this. We can help you cope. And that's pretty much all 
uh, counselors can really do at this point. Okay, but if if I could wave a magic wand, um, would you like to change your sexuality? Would you be like? Would you like to be like uh, over eighty percent of men that is attracted to women in a heterosexual way, or are you happy as you are? Well, you know that's a <laughs> that's a difficult question to answer. Um, you know, the, the simple answer is, yeah, you know, wave that wand. I would definitely like to be a, a regular person. Um, the other side of it, though, and I, I have thought about this uh, considerably, is that, you know, um, to what extent uh, is it part of my personality and to what extent would removing the sexuality demolish, you know, uh, my personality? And that's something that frightens me. So, um you know, in that sense, I'd say no, but, you know... It- You've gone very uh, public in the last... Like you said, you outed yourself uh, 10 years ago. You have committed no uh, sexual crimes. You say children are safe around you, uh, even though you've been ostracised in the, you know, in the last 10 years. What have rea- has reaction been like, for example, from your family? Yeah, um, you know, initially my family were kind of shocked, um, because, you know, they, they knew me, uh, I thought they did. They, you know, they knew, well, they knew I was safe around kids and they, they couldn't really comprehend it. It was like, well, you know, but you're not a child molester. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, if you, if you paid attention to the signs, you'll see that, you know, I've always kind of gravitated towards children. It's just, you know, ever since I was an early adolescent, it's just, it, they draw me, you know, uh, so what made you decide to go so public about uh, your paedophilic tendencies, uh, knowing that attracting the sort of uh, publicity you do with your online presence and um, why did you decide to uh, come, become so public and face public backlash and ridicule? Well, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, one, um, I, I, it was, I just got tired of living a lie. You know, it was one of those things where like, okay, I'm just tired. I can't live this life anymore. It's just, it's, it's weighing me down, you know. Uh, the other side of it uh, is... Are you sorry you did it? Uh, no. I, you know, there's, I have days, I have bad days. I mean, I'll admit that. Because the, the, the point I was about yeah. to make is this is a, a label that you've put on yourself publicly, and it's a label you right. will never be able to take away. Correct. Um, you know, and you know, like I said, there are days when it gets to me, but most of the time I, I think it was the right decision. I think somebody had to do it, you know, uh, and uh, I'm in a unique position. Um, I don't have a family. Like so, some pedophiles who are, are able to have relationships with with adults, you know, they get married, they have they have kids of their own, they're, you know, they have good careers. They stand to lose everything if they come out. Um, you know, in, in, in my case, uh no, I'm in, in a good position to do it, so uh, I figured, why not? Would you ever like to see yourself settling down with a, a partner or with children? Um, children, probably no. Uh, you know, I would eventually like to, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm work, actually working on right now orienting myself uh, towards adults, and uh, I don't think it's possible to eliminate, you know, my pedophilia. I think it's po- it, it may be possible to um, build a, uh, you know, a teleophilic orientation on top of that. So um, that's basically what I'm working on, right? I do believe there are quite a lot of us 
who don't offend at all is a uh, is something unique. And, but the, the, the worry, I'm sure you'd understand that a lot of people have is you may not have offended uh, so far, but because of uh, the fact that you're sexually attractive to ch- attracted to children, uh, yeah. that you may offend one day, that you may act out on the, on those tendencies, and that is what worries right. people. Yeah, and uh, I get that. Um, you know, most uh, pedophiles, when they if they do offend, they usually do it young. Um, I think you know. So can you say with, can you say with your hand on your heart that you could guarantee people listening to us right now that you would never ever uh, sexually abuse a child? Absolutely, one hundred percent. It will never happen. It's been very interesting to uh, talk to you, Todd. Uh, Jeremy is here with me in the studio with more of the reaction that's coming well, Adrian, in. Adrian, here's a message from you from Lee. And Adrian, you're buying this hook, line and sinker. I'm very surprised at you falling for this bullshit story. Um, of course, it's only a, ma- a matter of time before he abuses a child. The man is a ticking time bomb. Well, you've just heard what he said. A 100% guarantee, Todd, that you will never abuse a child. That's right. And, you know, I've been out for 10 years and I'll, you know, they can keep watching me until I die and they'll, you know, and they will see, Uh, you know, my my life will be my um, record. Okay, Angie says, if you want a cure for this disease you have, as you call it, go get yourself castrated, you sick individual. But she called him something else. But um, she thinks you should get yourself castrated. I I assume she means chemically castrated as opposed to actually having um, an amputation carried out. Have you ever thought about chemical castration? No, uh, I mean... Basically, that's an extreme measure. Uh, I mean, I think there are people who uh, who do have impulse control issues and they may need to do something like that. In my case, it's not necessary. Well, I mean, here's a message from Martina. I don't think, and this is, Martina, this is the reason. And in fact, let me deal with a, a comment first from Fiona who says, lads, you shouldn't even be interviewing that man. I disagree with you, Fiona. Absolutely disagree with Completely. you, Fiona. Yep. We need to, we, we all find, well, m- the majority of people, and even Todd will recognise this himself, find paedophiles the most disgusting human beings on earth. And what Todd is trying to do is explain to us where he's coming from. Is that is that so bad? Well, in in, in my twenty five odd years on radio, I've never spoken to a self confessed uh, paedophile. Uh, well, so Mar- from, from that yeah. point of view, I it is very interesting to talk to uh, somebody like like Todd. Uh, a lot of what you have said, though, Todd. Uh, I just have to take your word for it. I can't really argue the point, except that the fear that most people have in listening yeah. to somebody like you who claims to never have abused a child, will never act upon it, uh, your life will be your record, and everything you've just said, a, a lot of people, and I'm just reading a lot of the text coming in, a lot of people just don't believe that. Don't believe you'll be able to uh, keep your uh, urges in check for the rest of your life. Like I said, I understand people being uh, uh, you know uh, uh, you know abhorring uh, the actual activity I, I it's harder for me to understand people being uh, you know that offended at thoughts i mean i uh, i don't know i guess it's no, and I, I, look, I, I understand what you're saying. Thoughts, uh, thoughts, yeah. thoughts don't per se harm anybody, um, yeah. and you know we all have our own different fantasies and our own different thoughts. But it is just even to hear you uh, describe yeah. your thoughts maybe is what fi- uh, right. bothers people so much. I mean, uh, I mean, Matt plainly says, and I, I, we're going to address this in the second thought. How you feel about you know the public reaction to you? Matt says that man is a monster, lads. Plain and simple, a monster. I know, I know you're probably going to say sticks and stones will break your bones, names will never hurt you. Um, how does it feel though to be called a monster? 
well, I'm used to it at this point. I mean, I've been called everything in, in the book at this point. Uh, I'm sorry, just one last question for you from Hugh, and I'd be interested to get the answer to this. Hugh says, will you please ask um, that dirty pig you have on the show at the moment how he feels about the death penalty for paedophiles? Obviously, he's talking about people that act out their, their fantasies. Well, yeah, obviously, I I find that idea barbaric. Um, you know, I think there are people who... Uh, who are very dangerous, who do need to be locked up for life. But uh, as far as killing them, no. And and finally, um, and this is this is from the other side uh, of things, from Suzanne, and it's actually interesting, it's coming from a woman. Before I heard this interview, I uh, hated paedophiles. I thought they were disgusting human beings. But this man has put a face on, on paedophilia, and I actually feel sorry for him now. I don't believe anybody wants to be a paedophile, and he must be applauded for not acting out his fantasies. When you decided to go public with uh, this uh, whole uh, thing, which is very unusual, there are many people mm-hmm. who publicly admit... Uh, that they're paedophiles, Tom, or Todd. Um, right. your, commu- your online community, how many more people are there like you who are non-offending paedophiles? Well, you know, that's, uh, that's the big question. Um, nobody really knows. There, uh, estimates that I've seen are that about 1% of the population are um, have a primary or exclusive sexual attraction and that Maybe as much as uh, 10% have some slight attraction. Um, those are, you know, I can't I recall the studies specifically that they come from, but, um, you know, those are obviously kind of guesstimates even even for the scientists. But, um, you know, it's an impossible figure to to know. Well, one final question that I wanted to ask you, Todd, and I appreciate your time. Uh, Do you believe that paedophilia is uh, an illness, a disease, if you will, Uh, because it's something I'm going to explore in a second, or do you believe it is a perfectly normal run-of-the-mill sexual attraction, just like being a heterosexual or being homosexual? I don't think it's either or. I think it's both. Uh, I think it's a sexual orientation in the sense that, um, you know, we are sexually oriented towards children. Uh, you know, uh, we we have the it, it usually starts in adolescence. There's usually an emotional component as well. It just has all of the, the earmarks of any other sexual orientation. But it's also an illness in the sense that it's completely incompatible with, with society. So um, do, you, do you think you can ever be cured? Cured? No. No, Todd. I um, I wish you well. I hope what you said to me earlier on is is true. That uh, you, your life will be your record. That you will never mm-hmm. ever act out on your sexual tendencies, and that the world and Tennessee in which you live is a safe place for children, um, and and made no unsafer because of you and your admissions. It's been uh, fascinating talking to you, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Opinions matter. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app.